2011, man. This is Peter Bergman here in Los Angeles. My cohort and co-host David Austin is up on Whitby Island in the Blue U Studios. And it's time for another weekly edition of Radio Free Oz. And what's in the headlines, Mr. Bergman? Oh, Governor Goodhair on his knees, Dave. I gotta tell you, it's time to time to bring the Ayatollah on. This man is is the is the a- antithesis of the separation of church and state. There's no light coming in between the crack he leaves between church and state. I'm talking, of course, Texas Governor Rick Perry, also known as Prick Ferry, uh, but to some people, and also as uh, Goodhair von Blow Blow Dry. I understand he's uh, he's out there in the field. This is his uh, great step on America campaign, isn't it? Now, yeah, out it's, there, it, it, it's called a res- the response. It's taking place in the Reliant um, uh, Stadium in Houston, and the reason it's there is to ask for divine help to overcome America's myriad problems. And I know the people out there who are going to miss it. That's one of the problems, Dave, is the place holds 80,000 people and only 8,000 people have signed up so far. Oh. So I guess he's waiting for a big walk-in. You know? well, that's the 10% of people I who are so. unemployed. Yeah, and who are crazy enough. And he said, I got a whole, I got a busload coming in from Tyler, Texas. Good luck. Okay, you want to hear, hear what they're going to be experiencing? Oh, okay. wait a minute. Stay on mic there, uh, Uncle Pete. Uh, stay on mic. There you yeah, go. Okay. I can see your picture and you're Here wandering. We- Okay, here we go. Okay. We, we have a pre at, at 8 a.m., which is, I guess, uh, 6 a.m. our time. Uh, they have a pre-event workshop. Then at 10, they have remarks and direction for the day, personal repentance prayer for personal repent, repentance. That's for people who don't get it the first time. Okay. Then there's the corporate res- repentance prayer at <laughs> 11.30 a.m., the corporate repentance prayer. Do you think they're asking Apple to you know, give benefits to same-sex marriages? Then there's the repentance for the church's idolatry prayer. Good. And then there's repentance for the uh, of, shedding of innocent blood and the prayer for America. So that's what you're going to be doing for hours in there. And he's going to appear. And along with him, I just want to let you know, it's being, by, by the way, co-sponsored by the... Uh, American Family Foundation. I'm gonna just check it out here. Oh, yeah, gosh. yeah. It's in Schadenfreude yeah. Stadium, is that where? It well, is? Yeah, right. In Schadenfreude, you know, a couch for everybody. Yes, the I think it's American Family Association, which is listed as a hate group by the uh, Southern Poverty Conference people. Okay. Now, here's my favorite. One of the guy that's going to speak. Okay, is um, is a pastor, right? Who. Uh, for example, who participated in the event uh, has condemned the Statue of Liberty as a demonic idol and false goddess sent to turn Americans away from religion. That's right. He calls her a a temptress in another of his tracks. Wow. This is the kind of people that Rick Perry is associating himself with. Guys that understand the real truth. They see through 
the curtain. They know that the Statue of Liberty is the whore of Babylon, right? And you can't come to America without passing under her lascivious gaze and turn yourself into a an idolatrous, uh, idol, uh, uh, an idol-loving secularist. That's it. You can blame. We should blow her up, don't you think? Well, I mean, maybe that'll be a campaign slow. Step on America, which I think is the uh, is the uh, Perry Bachman uh, slogan as they. Uh, Enter the uh, the extreme right wing campaign for the presidency. I, I think they make a good team, uh, and sure, step on America. Let's start with the uh, uh, the the uh, the Statue of Liberty. Let's see what well, she's draped. I mean, you can tell that she has really gigantic breasts, Bergman. Yeah. I mean, well, let's face it; they must be. She's the whore, she's the whore of Brooklyn. Babylon. Take, take your choice. Oh uh, man! Uh, well, I tell you, yeah, no. There's, a, there's, a, there's, uh, there is no uh, distance between church and state when it comes to uh, Rick Perry, and I think that it's good to know that they are married, as it were, church and state. Uh, they're in the great state of Texas, which really could, um, uh, well, what? Go to hell, I think. Uh, any time, and that'll be just fine with the rest of us. Now he's being attacked that because this is a purely Christian and a, a very special type of Christian gathering. He says no, it's all about diversity. Everybody is welcome. And yet here in the prayer guide, first paragraph, it says today will be a day of fasting and prayer, a gathering unto God as the body of Christ to worship, repent, and pray for America. May Jesus. May Jesus' name be lifted above every other name today in Reliant Stadium. Oh, that, it's not so really, course, that's not really asking the Muslims to join in there, is it? Hmm. Or the Jews, or oh, actually, yeah. really, actually, or the Catholics, of course. They're married to the whore of Babylon, or the Hindus, or anybody else. And the man, the thing about Governor, Governor Goodhair is he is an out-and-out Christian a preacher. He said, I am called to the ministry. I just have a bigger pulpit. Okay. Well, he's, is- he's, uh, he should be, he's, he's in the, he's not in the running yet, but sometime in this month, don't we expect him to announce? Yeah. yeah and, and Republican mainstream operatives, even people in Texas where he is very unpopular. Uh, I mean, only 5% of the people polled thought he should run for president. They're worried because they say he's just George Bush again. Here's a guy that got C's and D's in college, okay, and he's a big kind of friendly Texan, and he's you know so right wing that uh, they're they're worried that you know he has a lot of traction. He has an awful lot of traction against um, um, uh, Mitt Romney, and in fact he's forced Mitt Romney so to the right. Now get this, Romney. Romney has signed the marriage pledge, Dave. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, candidates who signed National Organization for Marriage Pledge. He is promising to support a constitutional amendment that denies marriage, that, excuse me, <laughs> that defines marriage as being between a man and a woman. Doesn't say humans, but we can we can presume that. Uh, defend the Defense of Marriage Act in court, which the Obama administration refuses to defend now. Appoint federal judges who don't see a legal argument for gay marriage. That's the thing that gets me. That is religion Ooh, in the courts. Yeah. Good. And establish a, quote, presidential commission on religious liberty to protect gay marriage opponents. 
It's that whole idea of, no, 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 we're not persecuting people. It's Christians who are being persecuted. We're persecuting these people because we support, you know, same-sex marriage. Now, the only person who held out was Tim Pawlenty, who sounded actually kind of cool. He said, no, I, I, I won't write a pledge, but I'll just show you through my daily actions. Well, he signed yesterday. It was it, too much pressure. He went down you know? yesterday. Really on this. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, as as I think I pointed out on a couple of shows ago, this uh, massive signing of pledges is, was the beginning of the Nazi party. I don't mean it, to equate exactly the American Republican right wing with the Nazis, but when well, everybody agrees to do something completely immoral and inexcusable all at the same time and then expect to represent all of the American people, we're in trouble. Well, you know, it, it, they aren't the Nazis. That would be terribly unfair. But they are the fascists. There we go. Fra- Franco, right? Franco had big, big ties with the Catholic Church. It was a, a combination of, well, you know, in fascism, officially, it's just you bring the military, the government, and business together, and in some cases, you conflate it also with the church. So that's what we've got here. We've got, we've got the fascist party, and our number one fascist is Governor Goodhair. Yeah, pledges have been pro- proliferating, Dave, during the primary season, covering to- topics of taxes, right, yep. all the way to sh- Sharia law. Yep. We pledge ourselves not to put ourselves under Sharia law. I mean, it's like me saying, I promise, you know, I promise not to step in front of a Mack truck on I-90. I mean, oh, yeah, okay, I can keep that pledge. Oh, Lord. And thank Christy, you know, the, the pig from um, New Jersey. He got up to his credit and said, this is all a lot of bullshit. There's no Sharia law problem. Why don't you guys just get off it? So I got to say, you know... And, Sometimes uh, the blunt pig is is the right place at the right time. Well, he's a he's a, a realist, and he's from New Jersey, and it it ain't no issue here, buddy. You know, uh, because we'll push him out, man. You know, these these big uh, these big husky New Jersey trucker guys, <clears throat> they don't they don't sit still for for that stuff on one way, one side or another. But well, but it, but yeah. But Pete, yeah. but Pete, but Pete, the economy. The economy. Who cares about the conflation of religion and and uh, uh, yes. politics in the in at the economy? What's the BFD about the S and P? Well, Dave, it was it was a, a, a perfect storm. Some of the economists say. I mean, we would have been downgraded by S and P earlier if there hadn't been huge pressure from the Treasury Department. And it's going to cost us, Dave. You know, it's going to cost us probably $130 billion minimum a year. $130 billion, just an extra extra interest payments because, of course, the cost of the bonds are going to go down, which raises the interest rate. And who knows what's going to happen in Monday with the European market. We could be just sliding down, what, they call that the slippery slope? And at the bottom is what? Um, the the non-oil, non-money economy. I just don't know where we're going, Dave, and you're right. Uh, all we're talking about are all these austerity measures, and then Obama gets up. Now, he's got three new plans to put jobs back on the plate. You know what they are? Extend the payroll cuts for another year. Yeah. Pass, three, pass three free trade agreements and enact patent reform. Boy, that's going to put people back to what Putin 
work whammo bammo, ain't it? I mean, hey, look, more easier to get a patent. Let's just let's just hire them. And this whole thing about extender roll tax, it does make it cheaper to, to have an employee because you pay less in taxes. But the, the point is that the that corporate businesses aren't hiring people because they're not producing, and they're not producing because there's no demand, and there's no demand because people are out of work. That's where the step in and start pump priming what's wrong with us uh, well while we consider that question pete uh, i i understand that radio free Oz has had to uh, <clears throat> take on sponsors now well that's the fact dave you know you and i are are, are radically uh, you know as, as radical surrealists we we try to keep ourselves um, unattached to the commercial community. But the fact is, is that although some loyal people are donating to us on a somewhat regular basis, we just aren't getting the bucks we need. You're not going up and, and contributing to Radio Free Odds. You're listening every day. We have a steady flow of listeners, but we don't have a steady flow of donators. And so we've had to take uh, on a couple of flagship uh, sponsors. And here's our first, Dave. Uh, the Club for Unnatural Growths. Crud Light, the beer that's watered down upstream where the fish don't swim and the sun don't shine. At the end of another long, long day of working down in the dumps, time to pick yourself up and take yourself home for another one-nighter with a six-pack of Crud Light. Party on, partner, until the crud runs out or your liver shuts down. Crud Light, is a deniable byproduct of Alzheimer's Brewery, Rehab Colorado. Yeah, crud light. Uh, boy, I tell you, when you pop its top, it pops your top, Dave. You ever had a crud light? It's new, you know. Hey, it's new. Stores. No, it's too new for me. It hasn't gotten up here to Whidbey Island uh, yet at all. So, uh, I, I, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad down there in, uh, in the Big Orange isn't that what we call L.A.? What is it? Uh, the big, what is big it? Orange. The big it's orange. The big orange. All right, down there, the big orange. The big pomegranate, I think, now, huh? The big well, pomegranate. I'll tell you, we, we try lots of new products down mm-hmm. here all the time. So, yeah, the crud lights everywhere. They also have uh, crud light smoky, which is a, a, which it tastes like beer and cigarettes. So those oh. of you who have to step out who can't smoke in a bar mm-hmm. can, still, can still retain the smell of beer and cigarettes on your breath. By chucking down a, a crud like smoky. Boy, if you yeah. eat if you eat a sausage with that, one of those uh, dime store sausages, you know, uh, that looks yeah. like a big cigar, Slim and you gyms. add that to oh, that's a real good uh, smell. Uh, you okay. attract, attract lots of gals wait, for that. Wait a minute, crud like slim and smoky. There you go. I, I'm going to have to see if we can get them to run an ad on that. I think they just absolutely might. slim and smoky. Yeah, the crud lights. Well, I'm sorry we've had to buy into ads, but that's just the way it goes here in the uh, economy that we are facing. Uh, well, it, it or, just, or we've turned our backs on. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned uh, there uh, the the uh, Obama suggestions. Those actually are all uh, law uh, laws, I guess, uh, that haven't passed Congress yet. So Congress those, hasn't passed anything. No, no. Next. Congress has been very busy <laughs> sitting on the pot and not passing. 
Um, yeah, the, so that's, I think, in uh, in all fairness to the president, I think that's why he mentioned those three things, because it was actually, once again, Congress's responsibility. The only way that you can add jobs to this society is through uh, government uh, preferably through local government in those states which still have a local government and care about their citizens, and you give them money for education, um, which probably, if you add to that um, uh, adjunct education, that is people like us going into schools and teaching kids something that they don't learn during their academic day, uh, if you provide uh, funds for that on a government level, that will employ a lot of people, perhaps more people than if you add the funds for the fire department and the police. But that's a good idea, too. Just don't add the funds for the helicopters. That's all hey, I care about. Build houses, fix the roads. I call it shovels and hovels. That's also important. You know, uh, the, the construction industry is in such terrible shape. One reason is that it exploded itself when all those homes were being built during the toxic bubble. Okay, the bubble burst, and that guy's sitting there on his John Deere, you know, <laughs> looking like a deer caught in the headlights, and the headlights aren't on because he ain't working. So, you know, yes, the government should be doing all sorts of things, but it isn't. And it won't, and, and it won't, because it won't. it's been, yeah. America has been stepped on. This is the program, Step on yeah. America. Reduce its size, you know, get it underfoot. Uh, kick it around a little bit, and uh, and what will we have left? What you know, will we they, have left? Well, the Republicans, you know, it's talk about the big lie, and people just don't get it. The Republicans blame the S&P downgrade on Obama, and they turn around and they say, enough of your spending, let's talk, well, where are the jobs, Mr. President? I mean, the chutzpah of these people, the fact that the Democrats don't turn around and say, Fuck off, buddy. There are no jobs because you're shrinking the government and drowning us all in the bathtub of your ideology. They wouldn't say it that way, of course. That's, that's nice, that's though. I wish they would say it that way. Well, you know what's they... happening in Chile? No. What's in South in America, Chile? Chile, the country of Chile, which is about the same size, shape, and general uh, configuration of California, yeah. uh, just south of the equator rather than north, um, Chile, there is a young people's revolution going on because of the cost and privatization of institutions of higher learning. Really? Suddenly, the Chilean kids who have been uh, well served by their uh, by the liberal aspect of their government are going through a uh, once again a tightening of education, making it very expensive. Uh, for them to go to school, and they're having love-ins, Pete. At least they're having kiss-ins and yeah. other kinds of youthful demonstrations of uh, angst and anger against uh, the government of Chile. Could happen in California uh, uh, if children would, uh, the young people, I shouldn't call them children, but the students got up off their couches and went out there and said, okay, we've had it with your government. We've had it. We want schooling. We want education. This is your responsibility, and we will be in the streets. And there, and there's uh, also, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, not eating. You know, uh, 
what do you call that when people don't eat? It's a, called a hunger a strike. A hunger strike, that's the phrase. They're also doing that down in Chile. So I thought, given the fact that Chile and California are so similar, if that happened in California and maybe sprang across the great uh, gaping wound of the Middle West and landed on the East Coast, where there are also students who are being deprived of an education and who are getting out of their four years of college with a useless education that they have to pay back now $100,000. So revolution on the part of the kids against the government that is diseducating them. I would recommend that as a very good start, and us oldsters can stand in the street with signs too. Yes, we can, but I don't know, Dave. I just feel that people, as I say, are looking at the world through a flat screen darkly. The television has taken away everybody's imagination, left, center, and right. They've all turned in. You know who they talk to? You know who they scream at? Not at the government from the streets. They scream at their television when they talk at all. Hey, you're crazy, man. You know, and nobody's there. They're just screaming at a bunch of dancing pixels. No, I don't feel that there's any sense of true protest. The only person in Washington, and I think she's the real thing, by the way, and that's why she's so hated by the right. The only person that really has that kind of sense is Nancy Pelosi. She's the only one who stands up and breathes fire. There are other liberals or whatever you want to call progressives in the Senate and the House, but the only one with any real power is Nancy Pelosi. And Obama better get together with her because he's becoming more and more detached. Much as I love the man, I think he's floating away. You know, yes, I think we'll reelect him. Everybody's saying, well, wait until he's reelected, and then he won't have to, like, Oh, Congress, anything. Uh, I don't think that's the way it works, man. I really don't. I, I just don't know what the answer is. Certainly, Ralph Nader says that there's going to be a uh, alternative candidate. Well, Ralph Nader can just <laughs> shove it up, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, Nobody wants to hear me. that again. <clears throat> no, not, not, from, not from Uncle Ralph. But, yeah, it would be good if there were some challenges to Obama. It would be nice if there's this thing called America Elect. That's what it's called. Where mm-hmm. We're going to have a, a primary online and you vote and that will be the candidate. I wonder who will come out of that. Yeah, there are a number of uh, alternative third-party ideas that are stirring around for the first time since the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, you know, I mean, really significant third-party on the – on the left, not third party on the on the right. We've always had the libertarians carrying a minor, uh, you know, uh, value in local elections, I suppose. But and the uh, racists. Remember, there was you know there, there was the um, a Southern Party that that was the third party that actually, and then of course there yeah, was right. what's his name, you know, what's his name, the guy from Texas that put uh, put Clinton in the first time. So there, there have been significant, and in fact, it was Nader that basically beat Gore by taking five percent of the vote. Oh, he has the yes. Right. Well, that's why. It, that's right why it's that's yes, but that's why uh, we would not uh, follow him <laughs> wherever he is going. Again, thanks, Ralph, for giving us. Uh, Mr. Yeah, but you know that's that's the thing. It's can't. It, it, I used to like you know rail at Ralph, but the fact is is that there were five percent of the people that wanted to vote for him and didn't want to vote for Al Gore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they just really, that's, that's just the way it goes. Now, there is, by the way, an interesting 
I think it actually came out of the Guardian. I don't know if they could ever print it in our newspapers. Not that it's not the real facts, but it's a look at the amount of money that each president added or subtracted from the debt, okay, over their administrations, plus um, how much the, the percentage of the debt to, to gross national product was at the end, beginning and end of their you know administration. It turns out that a third of the entire national debt since Reagan was all under W. A third of it, okay? It's insane. He's the man that's created this problems by what? The Bush tax cuts, unfunded Medicaid, uh, two illegal wars, all, you know, where was the Tea Party then, Dave? Where were the tricolors in the street saying, look what you're doing, you're ruining us, you're putting us in debt? No, they were just fine because it was a white Texan white, you know, evangelical, dry cocaine and liquor addict in the White House. That was just fine. You bring in somebody from Chicago, even though we went to Harvard, then he's the not me and it's all his problem. And most of the money he spent was trying to solve the problems that W laid on our back. Oh, man. Do I sound frustrated? Yeah, it is frustrating because um, that that supreme fact of the national debt, that it really was W's debt, and uh, uh, the fact that that's not recognized by the Tea Partiers is is just incomprehensible. Don't you guys get it? This is the guy to blame. Now, it's true he's been in hiding. I understand he's going to appear on September 11th at Ground Zero once again, uh, yeah. making putting in his uh, semi-official appearance. Probably will Clinton be there and Obama be there and everybody will be there and they'll all look at each other friendly. No, it's just, as we all, we, we, we of the extreme left, believe that W ought to be in, uh, in jail. some Swiss jail, you know. Well, um, put him right here. He should right be in Leavenworth as a war criminal. Uh, David, by the way, just yes. want to remind you that you talked about September 11th. Well, today when we're recording the show is August 6th, and that's Hiroshima Day. And I think that settles in there with September 11th as a major day of destruction, wouldn't you say? I would say so, yes, yes. The, okay. uh, the, 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 uh, Let's see, 1945. 1945, Hiroshima, and then Nagasaki. And, you know, when I went to the um, uh, uh, World Youth Festival in Helsinki back in, I think, 62, um, we were all in the big uh, Friendship Stadium having Friendship Day. Now, remember, this was basically a communist gathering, a Russian-based gathering. I didn't know it at the time. Gloria Steinem gave me my tickets. (laughs) You know, I was sent off by the Rockefeller Foundation as an observer. How was I to know it was a commie front? But anyway, we're all sitting in the Friendship Stadium, 50,000 of us, uh, you know, to talk about world peace. And a guy gets up on microphone and says, I would like you in five minutes, I would like none of you, please, to look east. East, east. Please do not look to the east. East, 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 east. Well, the Russians were blowing off an atomic bomb not three or four hundred miles from the place. And yes, five minutes later, everybody looking east, there's this flash. Not a big one, but a flash. It was going, the Russians are letting off Obama. And on we went. On we went with our friendship uh, gathering. 
So it's it's been hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's do a great. Do not look east. That is the uh, yeah. And and uh, do you, I guess from all the reading of, that I've done on the Second World War in the Pacific, uh, that of course it was horrific and was killing uh, virtually every every soldier, every marine who was on the front line. Um, Ten percent escaped, something like that. Um, then the rationale behind the first atomic bomb, which, of course, could have been set off over some dumb little island and blown into nowhere. Wouldn't have meant a thing, Dave. But it wouldn't have meant a thing. No, no, I know the demo demo wouldn't have worked because the the Japanese were... uh, strangely just like the tea partiers they they had one one idea which they kept to right until the bitter end and and the terror of that bomb was uh, unleashed was it necessary to unleash the terror of the second bomb well it actually dave you know there are cynics who say well truman did it uh, to scare the russians not true that's not who harry truman was that's not the way he thought Remember, he was very early in his presidency. He was under the shadow of FDR. The word was, is the Japanese, it seemed Hiroshima was not enough. I agree. It was a time of extraordinary uh, slaughter. Not as many civilian casualties as Dresden, you know, and not certainly as many uh, civil casualties as the firebombing of rice paper and wood Tokyo, but still a major boom boom. So, hey, talking about boom booms and such, let's pause for a second and listen to this lovely recording about the, um, the West Coast going underwater. Day after day, more people come to LA. Shh, don't you tell anybody, the whole place slipping away. Where can we go? When there's no San Francisco Shh, better get ready to tie up the boat in Idaho Ooh, you know the swim, you better learn quick, Jim Those who don't know the swim, better sing to him Tuna at the bowl, find fillet of much soul Ooh, what can you do with a bushel of wet gold? Shaking away. Where can we go when there's no sun for? 
Better get ready to tie up the boat in Idaho. Better get ready to tie up the boat in Idaho. Better get ready to tie up the boat in Idaho. Better get ready to tie up. Blah, blah, blah. That's always been the fear living here in Los Angeles. And we'll wake up one morning and we will indeed be docking our boats in Idaho. Well, Dave, it's uh, time for our second flagship uh, commercial. This one comes from the club from uh, the club for unnatural growth. Oh, well, we're going to hear uh, that one this time. Uh, the last time you announced that we, we, we got crud light, but I like crud light. So uh, I, I mean, I'm excited to hear uh, the, the, the club. Is the brand new sponsor, and you talked him into this? I mean, well, yeah, I didn't have any choice. They sent me the check first. Oh, uh, well, know. they talked you into it then. A check that's mm-hmm. always works. Okay, let's give a listen. Hello, this is Beaver Foreskin, president of the Club for Unnatural Growths. We believe that every member of the club has the unalienable right to keep what they steal. But what about all you sub-billionaires? Just because God has turned his face from you doesn't mean you can't go home and drown your shrunken aspirations in the bathtub. The Club for Unnatural Growths is a proud puppet of Double Cross America, the super PAC where every anonymous buck is worth a hundred common cents. Yeah, Mr. Foreskin, he's he's quite a um, a force in the Beltway, you know. He's been he's got everybody signing the unnatural growths pledge that, given the opportunity, they will drown the entire American uh, subgroup of sub billionaires in a large bathtub and live happily ever after. At least that's that's what I heard. It, oh, hey, can, can you just sit on the edge of the bathtub? You have to go in. I mean. Can't you just I hang out know, there, man. sort of in the middle, with your feet on the rug and your butt on the, you know, edge? I mean, well, well, you see the the millionaires, David, and it turns out that there are two hundred and thirty-five thousand four hundred and thirteen taxpayers who are millionaires. How right? many thousand? Enough. Two hundred and fourteen. Two hundred and thirty. Two hundred and thirty-five thousand four hundred and thirteen okay. millionaires, and of those, yeah. fourteen hundred and seventy of them paid. No taxes at all. 
Uh, first, no. kill all the tax lawyers. <laughs> right. Then, at the same time, you'd say, well, that's okay, because America must have been doing really well. Well, actually, during the same period, the average American income for American taxpayers, think about what had happened to people who didn't make enough to pay taxes, fell to 54283 a drop of $3,516, or 6.1%. 6.1% drop in their average incomes between 2008 and 2009. Not only that, but the overall number of taxpayers, that is individuals or married couples filing with the IRS, fell by about $2 million. I have a quote here from Ed Kleinbard, who's a law professor at USC. What we're seeing is the devastation of the massive loss of jobs and the effects of the real recession on real Americans. So now you know what defines a real American. It's a guy that's lost 6% or a gal that's lost 6% of their income or isn't even making enough to file taxes. Those are the real Americans. Yeah, the real Americans, uh, if you listen to NPR these days, now I, I do want to point out that all those reporters at NPR are employed. Many of yes, them so. have been employed for 25 or 30 years at NPR. However, uh, they are really talking to these real Americans. Uh, it seems like this is a, a, a kind of an NPR. Um, they're dug in here. They like to talk about. They like to talk about people who are hopeless and have no work. I, it, perhaps this is liberal radio exercising its muscles, uh, or maybe it's the voice of America, uh, lowercase v, lowercase a. Um, but they're out there. People without work, they're talking, you know, and it's not going to get them any work. No. Well, is NPR it, likes, as you say, they like to do that because it's uh, full of pity yep. and they're being paid and the other people are being paid so they can be rigorously good and slightly condescending at the same time. They don't turn around and say, what the fuck is this country doing to get these people back to work? Okay. There's none of that. It's just, oh, we're talking today with Helene Swanmuller, and she hasn't worked since three months before she was born. And look, it's really had an effect on her amour propre. The, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, you kind of got him there. Well, but that, but it, it, that's that's the world. And living here in a small island, relatively small island, as compared to the giant uh, 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 basin of Los Angeles, um, it's easier to see, you know, on a kind of a daily basis. If you check in on uh, the engine of growth on the island, there is one big building going up. Uh, so we know that the uh, the boat building engineers and craftspeople and and uh, electricians and 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 uh, guys who weld pieces big pieces of steel together they're working um, all the same pieces of property that were for sale a year ago are still for sale as far as I can tell on the island. Um, the the there's a lot of old folks here. There's a lot of new old folks because they built a nice place for them to live, and so they're bringing a lot of um, retirement money into the local supermarket, which of course has prices that are unbelievably extortionist these days. Uh, you know, a piece of fruit costs, I mean, if you don't have a job, don't even worry about it. You can't afford don't, it. Go back to no McDonald's. Job. No job, uh, no fruit. No, no the, job, and, no food. Or, or what's of, your choice if you're an old person? Your food or your medicine or your animal? I mean. 
You know, you know, well, or your animal can become your food. Uh, and also, you don't have one of your great benefactors anymore. Back in 1974, when there was the big oil crisis recession, Japan sent food to Seattle, relief food to Seattle. Japan just doesn't have it anymore. Well, they could probably send all of that glowing food. Yeah, not <laughs> got the job. Eat glowing food. Eat glowing a food you like, a glowing sushi. Yeah, no, no, no. No, yeah. they can't. No, glowing, they're, they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. No, like well, that. all the food comes from someplace else anyway, except briefly we had island-grown strawberries. That was nice because the strawberries that come from California were picked last year and put in storage along with the apples from Australia or New Guinea or wherever they come from these days. Uh, it all comes from somewhere else, and it's all extravagantly overpriced. And I can see, looking in the uh, in the cold cases, why people you know, would go in and say, oh, look at this. I can get for only five seventy-five. I can get a one small serving of something with a French name, uh, you know, uh, Boeuf au Bourguignon, in, uh, and, it's, and it's organic, and it only yeah. cost me five seventy-five, which is less than I could get a, a McDonald's burger for, so I'm going to get this exotic uh, Boeuf Bourguignon. Uh, <laughs> that's guaranteed to be organic, whatever that means. And then I'm, before I eat it, though, Pete, I'm going to turn it over and make sure that I can understand uh, the uh, the nutritional value of this item. Well, that's that's it at the fact. supermarket. You, you, you no, know, don't don't there, try to buy fresh anything else. Well, there's a new uh, extra to some of those uh, special meals, which is you get the beef bourguignon, yeah, but also. The the cardboard that it comes in is flavored, and you boil water and you drop the flavored cardboard in, and you get a very thin but very tasty soup that goes along with the beef bouillon. Well, Dave, I think I'm going to go out and have myself. I think I'm going to have myself one of them. Oh you know? yeah, let's open the freezer and get a few out right now. Well, uh, you got if you got something uh, from the the old days to uh, help I, us uh, I do. move ourselves I, along. I do, and I uh, you know I've been. Um, as as regular listeners know, I've been uh, writing the old man's poems uh, for about, oh, a little over a year now. Uh, I've been working on this long um, series of poems that, that were heavily influenced by the Tang-era poets, these wonderful guys, including Tu Fu. And mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll bring in a, a finished piece uh for the next show. I'm still working on it. But in the meantime, here's Tufu with a nice, long, good poem for the day. In the city, in the city, in the city, on business, I meet one friend and we spend the night eating and drinking at the house of another. Well, that's a long title. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. It's all right. So we'll just call it In the City. Right? In the all City. Right. Here we go. A high wind blows dust through the river districts. Travelers pass, hands over eyes, unrecognized. East of the city, I open my eyes, and there, as I tie up my horse, I see Yun Ching. Hey, let's go see Niu Hao. It'll be worth the extra trip. Taking our hands, he leads us in, lights lamps, pours wine, sets out dish after dish, Let's talk all night, he says, and live it up, and not one word about the war. 
The stove burns red like a tiny dawn, and the moon outside makes the paper window shine like rippled silk. A while ago, the uproar at the Capitol turned the whole world on its head. Now winter's over, spring has begun, even around the palace walls. Who'd have thought our tracks would cross again like this? Where's the time got to, and why is life so full of goodbyes. As we part in the yard, roosters are crowing in the trees, and we cry a little, drunk and happy, tears threading our cheeks. Oh, that's beautiful, Dave. Once again, thank you, Dave, our co-host here on Radio Free Oz. Thank you, Dave Maloney, for recording us and making Blue U Studios, a gorgeous spot on the Emerald Isle available. Thank you, uh, Phil Fountain, for doing our wonderful, wonderful artwork. And Tom Goodwillow, our webmaster, and Scott Wilde, our, our web designer, and Chaz Glass, who just keeps getting better and keeps us in line. Thanks a lot. Please donate to Radio Free Oz. We certainly need it. See you next week, Dave. All right, yeah. If those are the only kinds of sponsors you can come up with, Pete, please, uh, listeners, send money. Hey, hey, thanks for your comments, too. Okay, hey, remember, at all times, we're going to get through this together.